Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. UX Cake is all about developing the layers you need to be more effective in your work and to be happy and fulfilled in your career. I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo, and I'm a UX leader and leadership coach. Hello, and welcome to UX Cake. Today, we are talking about how to insert strategic objectives into tactical work in UX. And this applies to research and design, since that's where we're coming from. But I think that there's going to be a lot of ideas you can apply to any work that you do, where you're doing tactical work, and you want to be affecting strategic level work. So this is a special episode because it's the first episode of season four, and that's exciting to be in season four. And it's also special because I'm very excited to be joined by my very dear friend, longtime colleague, former business partner, Laura Barboza. <laughs> Hello, Lee. Laura. Hi. Um, Longtime listeners might remember you from multiple episodes in season one. I just went through to look at all the different times that we talked together on UX Cake, and there were a few. So for folks who are not familiar with Laura, she is a seasoned user experience leader herself and a teacher and currently teaching at SVC, which is the School of Visual Concepts. And most recently, strategy and research director at agencies uh, Artifact and Blink. Both of those are global agencies here in base here in Seattle. Also formerly at REI and formerly consultant to very large companies, very small startups. So experience in a lot of different environments like myself, we have that in common. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me again on UX Cake, Laura. So, so happy to be here, Lee. Thanks for inviting me over and over again. And it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> um, thank you. I mentioned that you've already been on multiple episodes and since this is season four, I think it's kind of fun to think back at the very first uh, introduction episode for the entire podcast, <laughs> episode mm. 000, <laughs> mm -hmm. in February of 2018, uh, wow. you and I introduced it together. And uh, yeah, that, a lot has happened since then, huh? <laughs> it sure has. Four seasons later, here we are. Yeah. And a two-year hiatus in there, 2020, mm. 2021, which yeah. was just ridiculous years for everybody. <laughs> of course. Yeah. But you made it through and, you know, the conversation continues. That's the, that's the wonderful part. Yeah. Yeah. We both have made it through a lot of different mm. things mm -hmm. since then. Episodes 11 and 12, we talked about going into consulting. So that's something both of us have done, like at varying times in our career, you know, going back and forth between full-time and consulting. Um, and then in episode 16, you were on a panel about giving more effective presentations 
shark proofing your presentations, I had to laugh remembering how <laughs> you were, oh my God, you saved my skin on that one because it was a live episode in front of, I remember. there were a lot of people showed up and we're waiting for one of the panelists and I text her and she's like, oh, I have the flu. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so you, Thanks for letting me know. Yeah, yeah, really. So yeah, you very graciously agreed to join the panel. And it was great. It was a great um, panel. And you rounded it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was a a good time, too. I remember that live event and how engaged everybody was. Yeah, I sure do love live events. And I hope to bring them back. um, It will happen this year. Yeah, it's a lot of work. (laughs) so it was helpful Mm -hmm. to have partners um like uh companies that were partnering with me to help those happen yeah so now we're into a new season season four and I, i think really the only difference this season well the the biggest difference i think is i'm trying this a different approach um with the format and having more conversations versus kind of quote unquote interviews. And um, I think a lot of the the interviews I've done have felt like conversations and I've always gotten mm-hmm. really good feedback from other people about um, how they enjoyed the conversation. And, um, and when I think about the pod, the podcasts that I like to listen to, they are often conversations versus interviews and um, topical. So, I mean, it's always been topical, so that won't change. But I did record one episode already in this new format and found that it is very difficult for me, actually. I tend to fall back on into interviewer mode. And so (laughs) it might be, you know, it's hard to separate the two, I think, right? I think interviews can and sometimes should be more conversational, right? Just to set people at ease and just have a, a little more of a comfortable environment, not feel like we're being interrogated at all. Um, <laughs> but I do the same thing even with my friends, Lee. Like I have conversations with them and every now and then I'm like, well, why did that happen? And how does that make you feel? And and I, I, go, into, I go into research mode, right? With my own friends about, you know, very, you know, personal topics. But I think it's it's because that that's a good conversation, a conversation where you're maybe asking for a little bit more, maybe digging for better understanding and and also keeping it light because, you know, we're we're not we're not hired to have these conversations, right? We have them because our hearts call us to have them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. A conversation is about asking questions between two people or, you know, as many people are in the conversation. It's those are, I think, the most fulfilling conversations anyway, where you can actually get into some some interesting territory when people are asking questions of each other and um, not just sort of talking about themselves or their own experience. So, um, yeah. It's about engaging. I think the, the people involved and not that we need more engagement with each other, because I think your, your conversations with me are always very engaging, (laughs) vice versa, 
Um, but yeah, I think it's about engagement, right? Making sure, you know, everybody's still present, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I knew that you would be a perfect person to have a conversation with because we always, we often have great conversations. So um, yeah, I'm also excited because this topic specifically around how to insert strategy when you're doing tactical work is something that you and I both have lots of examples and ideas to share. So I think it's going to be a great uh, opportunity for listeners or watchers of UX Cake as well. Definitely. So maybe we should dive in. Let's do it. I was thinking that perhaps we should take a minute to talk about what we mean by strategic work versus tactical work. And and you and I may even have different sort of ideas about what what we're thinking when we mm-hmm. talk about it. But what do you think? You were interested when I first brought this uh, subject up. So mm-hmm. what are you thinking about what what we mean by strategic work versus tactical work? What is, what's the difference between those two things? Well, for me, what that means is, um, and I'm going to talk about it from like a research standpoint uh, mm-hmm. um, before I, I talk about it at a more broad, broad UX level. But for me, I think that Strategic work, particularly in research, is really about foundational generative insights that help you kind of understand the environment, the person, the emotions, everything that's involved um, before we even get to like solutioning, right? Before we get to a point where we're trying to understand whether one approach is going to work over another approach, et cetera. It's about thinking bigger. It's about being more kind of end-to-end thinking and and maybe creating a little bit more space for lack of a better term, right? I think a strategy mm-hmm. container is a much bigger container because there's so much involved um, that it requires a little bit more organization. It requires a little bit more thought. And it's also a place to play, right? To think about what the possibilities. Where for tactical work, it's a little bit more precise it's maybe something that's already been decided. It's a direction that um, we're going on and, and we're committed to. Um, and in that space, it's a smaller container in my in my experience or in my mind because there's not a ton of wiggle room within a tactical container. Um, as I mentioned, it's, uh, things have already kind of been decided and now we're just really trying to figure out how we're going to do the thing or ship the thing or um, essentially work within those parameters mm-hmm. um, or strategy kind of, again, uh, you have kind of a little bit more space to think bigger. And even though there are some parameters on the strategy container, sometimes um, there's still a little bit more room to like move around and be creative and uh, think, think about the full experience of whatever it is that we're working with, um, whether that's just for a consumer product or whether we're thinking about the working environment of the people offering that service uh, or the partners that they work with to make that service happen. So it's, it's a lot more complex, maybe for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. Yeah, I like how you describe it as a bigger container. Um, I think of strategy as um, a much higher level objective or vision. Mm-hmm. 
And in fact, actually, I think a strategy is the objectives that get you to a vision or to a big goal, um, perhaps. So when you talk about uh, it could be either the the user's goal. So what what is the user's goal? Sometimes we don't even know and we have to do strategic work to find that out, especially in research. Um, another sort of example of tactical versus strategic is the um, usability of something that's already created and we're trying to figure out, you know, what improvements could we make versus generative research where we're we're looking for insights to help guide and inform what we're going to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Um... I'm thinking vividly of a slide that I usually include in all of my research classes that kind of separates, you know, strategic from tactical work, right? And I always present it as strategic is doing the right thing versus tactical is doing the things right. And obviously, the things, the right things kind of carry over into the tactical side once those right things have been decided but how to do those things, right? Doing them right is, is truly, as I mentioned, kind of that space where we're, we're committed to a path and we're moving forward in this direction. And, um, and it's about figuring out like the best solution, not necessarily finding a solution in the strategy phase, right? The strategy yeah. phase is a little bit more exploratory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, maybe we, can talk a little bit about the why. Let's start with the why. Why is it important to try to put these some strategic objectives or outcomes into tactical research or design? And I think about um, as kind of two levels, right? Like, why is it important to do the work? And then why is it important for us to talk about it? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but um, why it's important for us to do it um, is so many times we're being asked to do tactical work in UX, research and design, when there hasn't necessarily been the strategic work at the user level. Often there's strategic work happening at the business level, but uh, it doesn't necessarily always happen at the user level with aligning user goals and business goals, for example. And so often we're asked to do this tactical work and we, watching users or understanding user behavior, can see how things might not meet the objective that the business is hoping for. Yeah. Um, that's one reason that I can think of. Uh, why it's so important and why I have done it. And I've, I've had my, asked my teams to do it in the past. What comes Mm -hmm. to mind for you? That's a great reason. I mean, obviously alignment at all level, all levels, right. Is, is important. Um, I think for me, it's, it's really about understanding, right. If I think about like, like the essence of UX work for me, user experience work, is really about understanding the user experience. And and the user experience goes above and beyond one screen, one page, one Mm -hmm. digital platform, right? And so when I think strategy, you know, I think about all of the things because um, when it comes back to understanding and we get to understand why the person engages 
why they need a particular solution or product or service. Um, it's really, it's really about like really, really getting to know who your, who your audience is, who your customer is so that we can ultimately build, right? Tactically build an experience that really does meet that person's full experience, not just a one, one piece of the experience, one touch point of the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to bring it back to you, um, Lee, and, and kind of, you know, in the, in the spirit of conversation, right? How, how does it sound to you when I, when I mention, you know, this is about kind of understanding like a holistic story, a holistic, uh, um, a holistic understanding of, you know, the audience. Do you feel, how does that play with what you mentioned in terms of aligning business goals with customer goals? Yeah. Um, I, that's a good question because I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you as far as, um, that is what we should in UX, in design and research or whatever specific um, work you're doing in UX, that is what we are responsible for. And we are more responsible for that than anyone else in the company mm-hmm. or the organization. Um not that other people don't care about it. Hopefully other people do care about it. <laughs> and sort of depends on where you work, whether you think other people care about it or not. But most places, no one cares about it quite as much as the folks who are in user experience disciplines. Um, right. And I think, so for me, aligning it to the business objectives is that piece where, and we can talk about this more a little bit later too, when we talk about challenges with doing this, but um, uh, aligning it to business objectives is a key in not only um, really being strategic, but also it's a key in making sure that it's valued. Mm-hmm. by the others, you know, who are, they might say customers are first, <laughs> but that's not necessarily what their objectives or motivations are as an individual or as a team. So, yeah, um, yeah. it's almost like strategy can happen at two different levels, right? Because I can see that there is business strategy happening on kind of the business side, right? They need to make X amount of money. They need to charge X amount of stuff. There's there's X amount in overhead, you know, costs, et cetera. They have to have a business strategy to stay afloat, right? To manage the business. But then there's a customer strategy associated mm-hmm. with that because your customers are what keep your business alive, right? right. Without customers, you don't, you can't sell a product or a service or, right. you know, give what you're trying to give. Um, so, there's times where I've seen this happen where there is a lot of effort, you know, put into the business strategy piece, how to make money, how many people do we need, how many customers should buy, blah, blah, blah. But then there's not a lot of conversation around how do we make it so that they, you know, we facilitate the the process for them or how do we ensure, right, that those are really um, the customers that we will engage or attract this mm-hmm. year. 
um, from an experience standpoint. And right. so it feels to me sometimes that there's, you know, we might be doing that, us, the UX, the X people are doing that kind of in our own corners of the business. We're not doing it with the business when they're doing business strategy work. And so there's a disconnect sometimes, right? That happens mm-hmm. between what the strategy for the business is versus what the strategy for the customer is. And so bringing those two together is key, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always happen. So I think to your point, Lee, that that we as UX people are kind of the guardians, the advocates for the customer experience, for that end-to-end, you know, a pleasant engagement. Um, we are the ones that usually have to kind of take that business strategy from up high and bring it down to the CX, you know, customer level. And then think about like, okay, what is the customer experience as it relates to the business experience? Mm-hmm. But we don't always have time to do that. We don't always have partners that help us right. kind of um, align the two. And and we have to be really mindful of that because we can't just say, well, that doesn't work for us. Let's take it this way because this is what the customer needs right. when, it's, when it's kind of the opposite direction of where the business wants to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we have to... We've learned ways to be more strategic when we haven't been asked to. That's right. (laughs) So that's really what we're talking about here is uh, when you're in a situation where you you haven't necessarily been asked to do the strategic work, um, but there is some amount of strategic work that is needed. You know, how do you insert that into the tactical work that you've been asked to do and um, and with buy-in, because if you don't get buy-in at some point along the way, <laughs> sometimes you don't have to ask first. Um, and I'm sure you and I will have um, plenty of examples of how to do it. But um, at some point along the way, you do have to get buy-in. And we can talk about that as well. And one thing uh, I want to add, Lee, too, to, to, this, to this point that you're making is that anybody can be strategic, right? At, mm-hmm. at at any given time, it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter what your experience level is. It's almost like it's necessary for everybody to take kind of a strategic pause when something is put on your plate, right? Uh, from a work standpoint, from it. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need you to build this website or I need you to create this feature um, for our digital product or Whatever the case might be, that's a tactical ask, but we can take a strategic pause to ask more questions, to get a better sense of like the lay of the land and the business goals and the objectives and so many other things that are associated with the app instead of just reactively saying like, okay, here, here's your, here's your page, here's your feature, Mm -hmm. right? Without asking any questions, right? Um, It's similar to me when I think about how long we do research, right? The intention isn't to say like, hey, customer, what do you want? And then come back and say, well, the customer wants this. This mm-hmm. is what we need to make. Right. We, the people in the middle, are the ones that are kind of making sure that we understand what is needed and then coming up with what makes sense for everybody, the business and the customer, as ICs, as in, you know, individual contributors. I almost forgot what IC stood for. Um <laughs> As individual contributors, we, you know, we can take that pause and, and ask the questions, ask the strategic questions that are, that are necessary, um, even if we're not in a position to 
you know, change or direct the strategy. Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I often see UX practitioners who don't think that they have any agency in the work that they are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of reasons why, um, but um, or sometimes they might be wanting to do more strategic work and they get frustrated at what they see as very tactical work. And so, um, yeah, this is something that anyone can do. Um, sometimes you have to get creative about how you do it. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we're going to talk about is, you know, how can people do it? And some of the challenges that, that, um, we see people face. So, um, I would love to find out, just some ideas from you. Um, I know you've been thinking about some examples from your own experience, uh, which is in research. Yeah, well, I have a few, and it's funny. I feel like I'm I'm going to walk us down memory lane a little bit um, <laughs> because I think back at my you know to my career as a as kind of a junior, maybe mid level researcher. I was doing a lot of usability testing. I also Another way to walk down that memory lane is that, you know, this was in what, 2012, 2015, you know, around those years, maybe a little bit earlier, um, where I feel like a lot of strategic UX work wasn't being done. A lot of it was usability testing. Mm. It was more like we decided we're going to make this, you know, thing. And now we just need to make sure that the thing works well for people. Right. Mm. But there, but there was many times where maybe maybe what was built wasn't necessarily aligned with what the customer needed, right? We were just Mm -hmm. trying to build it in the best way it it could be built, right? With the customer's input. So a strategic approach that I had in those days as a usability uh, researcher, right, was to be a little bit more strategic, not just in how I created my usability session guide, for example, but mm-hmm. also in how I delivered my insights to the team. So, mm-hmm. so it was almost like this approach to say, fine, I will work within the tactical container, but I will still be strategic within that tactical container for the sake of informing the work at a bigger picture, right? Or at a, a higher level. Yeah. Um, and so that looked like, of course, you know, starting with really great stakeholder questions, making sure I understood where everybody was coming from. And, and, and again, kind of understanding that lay of that lay of the lands, right? Like, what's the purpose? What, you know, what, what does this mean for the business? Like, ultimately, what is the outcome here? And then knowing that I would structure my usability session guide, my interview in a way that, of course, allowed me to collect feedback on the prototype or whatever it was that we were testing. Um, but in in that conversation, also ask the customer, how do you operate? What are your barriers? What are your motivations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that usually starts in kind of the, the pre-session conversation or question where we're asking them, you know, how often do you use this product? What do you use it for? And those seem to be very tactical questions, but you can get more strategic with them and ask a little bit more strategy questions, like as if you were doing foundational work. Right. Yeah. As, if, as if this was a five minute contextual interview at the beginning of the use of. Right. Right. Test. You could you could broaden it a little bit. And it's not just about this product. It might be this process that the user right. is typically in 
and the pain points that they have there. That's right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So those five minutes, I mean, really, that's probably what I dedicated to that, right? Considering the rest of my interview was 100% focused on the tactical stuff on the prototype or the app or whatever it was. Um, I would take those five minutes to be strategic with the customer. So it's almost like I took time to be strategic with the stakeholders. Then I took five minutes to be strategic with the customer in the pre-session interview right before the usability test. And then the way that I um, delivered my insights was very, of course, uh, tactically focused. But at the very end of my, and I would always wait for the end. I don't know why I waited for the end, but that was my approach. Mm -hmm. At the very end of my um, insights delivery, I would say, I have three other things to share with you. And those weren't related to the prototype. It was bigger picture stuff that mm -hmm. I was like, I would say things like, you know, there was a conversation about gift cards, you know, that seemed really interesting. Maybe there's an opportunity for this company, you know, to, or this team to look deeper into gift card uh, mm -hmm. purchases, right? And so I would say things like, because we heard customers say X, Y, Z, right? So give them a little bit of insight there, but it was almost an invitation to say, Maybe there's something there. Maybe it's mm -hmm. worth exploring. Um, and so I would maybe have a couple more like bigger kind of more high level insights that didn't really relate right to the to the prototype specific um, of the study. Another way is to recommend more research around something that wasn't super clear. Right. Mm -hmm. So one thing is to be like, hey, there's something interesting with gift cards. Another thing is to say. Yes, we heard people preferred prototype A over prototype B, but it's because of this one thing that we don't fully understand yet. They chose it because of this, but we're not really sure why. And so it's almost an invitation to the team to say, maybe we should look deeper into that. Maybe for V2, we can mm -hmm. ask more, we can spend more time doing more strategic work around why prototype A was better before we try to make prototype A, you know, the next thing. And so that's another way to be strategic, I think, um, within that tactical container. Um, but I'll pause. And before I, before I keep going down memory lane, because I mean, once I got into strategy roles, obviously that changed, even though I was still doing a fair amount of tactical work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that is definitely been my approach with my own work and my team's work in research is um, inserting the strategic questions and insights in presentations. You can also um, insert those questions as they come up in the in the interview. I know that you have done that as well, um, which is one reason why I it's so helpful to allow conversation in a research interview, even if it's just usability and not an interview. But I so often would see people follow a script just and like insert question after question after question. Mm -hmm. This was, yeah, uh, even experienced researchers I've seen do this. And I'm like, wait, where's the space for them to talk about what else is coming up for them? And uh, to find out around the edges what's their pain points and motivations and uh, how might they do this normally if they weren't using this prototype or, um, you know, this product or, you know, like to totally. so many opportunities to find out 
that kind of Very insight. Much. Add a plug, if I may, um, yeah. Lee, um, this is about making the, the process more human, which is another thing that we in UX do, right? That's, that's kind of part of the job to guard the human experience. We can't be robotic interviewers with question <laughs> after question after question because that doesn't feel human. It doesn't feel like we are extracting yeah. that human experience from the participant. We're really just going down the list of our 25 questions and are more concerned about making sure we get answers to them within a 60-minute interview, right? Right. So, yeah. so that human aspect of it, I mean, this is how we, this is how we learn. This is how mm-hmm. we build process. This is why we're, why we do the work that we do. Yeah, that's a good point. Somehow I also remembered something when you said 25 questions, it made me remember um, work that I've done with teams where they're doing um, unmoderated studies Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you can do it there as well. You can Mm -hmm. ask more strategic questions and you can do it in a way where it doesn't take up the entire, you know, 10 minutes or whatever you have. Um, but to to gather a little bit of insight there as well. Um, I just wanted to speak quickly before we kind of move on to challenges, but about how to do this in a design perspective. So one of the ways that I've identified adding strategic objectives to the process before designs are created. So actually, this is kind of a similar, uh, this is sort of the same structure that you outlined with research as far as start before you are actually doing the work um, with stakeholders and identify what the objectives, what the strategic objectives for this work is. And Mm -hmm. um, so identifying both the business and the user objectives of the work and using that as a guide throughout every presentation that you have with stakeholders, always bringing it back to, it needs to be, have uh, stakeholder alignment on, yes, these are the objectives. <laughs> so once you identify them, you get alignment on it. And then you're always bringing it back. These are the objectives that we're moving towards. So everyone can remember that when there's a difference of opinion, for example, um, mm-hmm. if there's no data to back up one way or another. And then Another thing you can do before launching into a detailed design is creating storyboards or mini wire flows. Um, To sort of describe what a wire flow is, it would be like um, something between a, a flow diagram and a wireframe. So there's not very much, there's a, you know, a little box that represents the screen or the (laughs) step, right? Um, With not very much information, just enough to say, this is what this step is. Um, And putting that together, um, that shows how the piece that you're working on works within a a greater system um, or the bigger picture. So I think that's another thing that uh, can be really, really helpful in helping bring the rest of your stakeholders along with um, how this fits into the big picture. And then, and so they're thinking about the big picture, um, both from a user perspective and the business or system perspective. I love that. I love that, Lee. It reminds me of um, 
work that I've done mainly in-house, now that I think about it, this is something that I've that I definitely had the opportunity to do more in-house than 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 in, in the consulting work or in the consulting world. But Nordstrom, REI, I mean, other in, um, in-house uh, experiences that I've had, there was always a either a link back to our personas or a link back to big company-wide initiatives, right? Mm-hmm. Or or um, values. And there's a lot of sharing around like, um, you know, REI is for everyone, right? REI is about, you know, the outdoors and it's about, you know, community and this, that, and the other, like whatever their values are, that would somehow always make it into my, my presentation, Mm. whether they were focused on design or whether we're focused on research, it was always like, okay, part of our, our, uh, the objectives of the work is to link back to this one value, or we have these three key values that we want to work with um, because those are the REI values, right? As a business, as an organization. Um, we would say then for the experience business, our principles are X, Y, Z. And then mm-hmm. we had principles that we would mm-hmm. lean back on. So then it was like higher level organizational values, right? Company-wide. Then business unit principles, which were about for REI business, it could be like, you know, freedom in the outdoors and uh, support by a guide and, you know, so many other things. And then uh, I guess deeper than that, or maybe more at a more granular level, there was like design related. um, I don't know if to call them principles or Mm -hmm. objectives, but also what something that anchored us into like, okay, this, this is what the design needs to look and feel like, right? So branding was very much um, considered, right? When it came to those principles, right? When it came to what it felt like, what it sounded like. Um, and so so that, that was a really beautiful way to align, again, the business with the business unit, with the design systems or practices that were trying to be... Um, consistently held across the across the either the organization or the business unit yeah yeah actually that um something that i have done in the past with teams is to create design tenets Um, and you can do that at all different levels um it could be for you know a big project or if you if there aren't design tenets for this big project and you're doing one little piece of it, you can create some design tenets, um, you know, kind of when you're doing that pre-work. It does, mm-hmm. again, require some stakeholder alignment, um, at least with your product manager. And that sometimes can be a challenge, um, especially for junior and mid-level or I don't really love the term junior, but especially for um, entry and to mid-level designers who are working with product managers who aren't necessarily um, experienced in the value of something like a design tenant or um, some of the other suggestions that we've had, which kind of brings us to the challenges of... um, of doing this work because sometimes it can be seen as extra scope that isn't needed because your stakeholders or even your manager didn't ask for it. 
Um, and so, um, I'm curious if you've ever gotten pushback for mm -hmm. speaking to a strategic bigger picture, um, when the stakeholder was asking for something pretty tactical. Oh yeah. It happens to me all the time because I always try to be, <laughs> you know, strategic. And, um, and so I get, you know, I get the pushback quite a, quite a lot. Um, and, and I understand the pushback, right? I understand the reason why, like, we need to kind of stay the course and, and get this, get, get this done. And then maybe we can think about it later. And there's always the argument of like, put your best foot forward. Don't, you know, don't launch a crappy experience. Let's try to make it better. But, um, but I do understand the pushback and, and I think, you know, if, if we're talking about how I managed, right, the challenge, um, I don't just take the no and say, okay, fine. You know, mm -hmm. I might look for other ways, right. To um, help inform whatever it was that I was advocating for while also still continuing to focus on the task at hand, right. Or the topic at hand. Um, and it's not to say go rogue and do what you want and like, you know, incorporate the questions that your stakeholders told you not to incorporate, but it's still to some extent, like, what I do is that I position myself or mentally, I see myself as the partner for my stakeholders. Like, like I put it on me to be responsible for informing certain things. And it's up to them to do whatever they want with the information. It's up to me to collect it. So I try to find a balance between how much do I collect and then how much do I give them back and then step away from it? Because it's not my call to decide what to do with that information. But it, it was my opportunity to be like, here you go. You know, I know you said you didn't want this and, you know, whatever. But, but, but here's some insights anyway, in case that's interesting. And in some cases, it's worked. In some cases, I hear a little bit of silence and like there's no response. Maybe at the end, they're just like, okay, we got what we needed. But maybe two, three months later, they might come back and be like, you know, you mentioned that there was this one opportunity here. I think we're ready to look into that. Hmm. And those are the days where I'm like, you know, throwing confetti and, you know, doing all the lovely <laughs> celebration things. It's exciting. It's exciting to see that the client said or that your stakeholders understood. Yes, there was something there. And, and I actually just, I left that little seed there for them. Mm hmm and, and, and the plant ultimately grew, right. Or started to grow. And so I think that's one way to, to deal with those challenges. Again, not saying to go rogue and, you know, go against what, what people are asking for, but it's really about refocusing your conversation while also still collecting those tiny side, you know, side uh, conversations or side data points um, that will ultimately help inform the bigger experience. As you're talking, I'm thinking also about the importance for relationship building mm -hmm. and how uh, important that can be to, to find the people who are most likely to want your insights or on the design side to appreciate a larger impact. There's like building those relationships and that can happen. Um, I, I think that can happen both in-house and as a consultant or in an agency. Um, 
But another thing that um, brings to mind is the importance of talking about the value of this, the work that you're doing. So for um, design, for example, um, there may be arguments about, well, this is going to take a lot of extra time. So it is important to be mindful of time and to not take a lot of extra time, but also to, to do what you can, you know, within um, the structure you've been given, but also to speak to the value of what you're doing or what you want to do very, very specifically, because it is not enough to say, well, this is going to improve the design or this is going to improve our research findings. Um, like we kind of talked about, very few other people care about that as much as you do as the UX mm -hmm. uh, practitioners. So also it's not measurable. It's, it's very much, that yeah. sounds like an opinion, you know, like, well, this is just going to be a better design. So you really have to tie this to the value of the effort to the impact. So how is this going to help the user? How is this going to help the business? How is this going to help the stakeholders? How does it actually help to meet their objectives? Why is it more impactful on their objectives? Um, one thing that comes to mind, um, I had a conversation with someone about this recently, about a designer who was doing iterations that weren't asked for, but they felt that it better met the needs of both the user and the business. Um, and what they found was there was disagreement about the impact. So some people loved it. Some of the stakeholders loved it and they were like, yes, this is, this is clearly um, more impactful. Um, there were, stakeholders on the product side who were more annoyed because it wasn't what was asked for. <laughs> and so that sort of like points back to this talk, speaking about the value of impact because product people do care about impact on objectives um, and also relationship building. You were talking about how you planted a seed and Maybe a few months later, someone came back and said, you know, that thing that you were talking about, I'm really interested, you know, can let's talk about that a little bit more. And I imagine that that is someone that um, felt like they had a relationship with you in, in as much as they could come and talk to you about it. There was trust there, right? And, and I think trust is something that isn't pushed on people, right? Because, and this is where the, there's a sensitivity and a strategy in around relationship building, right? And I wanted to say earlier, as, as you mentioned, you know, strategy around uh, relate or when, when it comes to building relationships with the right people, we don't always talk about that as being a strategic approach, but it absolutely is a strategic yeah. approach and then the message is also strategic because to your point, if I'm talking to the product manager, what I'm going to tell the product manager is this is how it's going to help the product. This is how you're going to be able to measure X, Y, Z. They care about the uh, 
uh, metrics and they care about a lot of those things because they are responsible mm-hmm. for showing that's right the health of that product right or the health of that situation if i'm talking to the business owner who essentially has to fund maybe uh, an effort that i'm pitching or something along those lines i talk to them in a completely different way and mm-hmm. i talk to them about the bottom line and I talk to them about like growth right of the of the business itself it's not so much about the product more than it is about like the profit right the, mm-hmm. the pnl behind it sometimes the operations behind it i mean once again, I'll use another REI example, but I was working on a large, a very large service design uh, project on REI, and I was pitching that to some of the design team and to the uh, head of the business, right? The, the manager, the director, and um, it started to dawn on me, I needed, I needed to talk to the operations manager because mm. we were talking a lot about operations. And I was pitching this to people who didn't care as much about operations or who weren't focused on operations the way that this other director was. And once I started talking to her about how service design was going to change operations, it was a whole new world. The conversation shifted. The project started moving forward. She was able to help me convince the other teams that I was already talking to, the, the, the manager, right, the, the business unit manager, convince him to... Uh, essentially have the budget right or make for that that project so again the strategy behind this is how do you talk to people what's the message with those individuals Mm -hmm. same product different message in the you know the strategic sense of doing the work same message right same intention different message depending on who your stakeholder is that's right which means you need to understand the language that they speak <laughs> so you can talk their language because it is kind of like talking yeah. different languages. And you do that by getting to know those people and having yeah. conversations with them, asking them what's important to you. What challenges are you facing? You know, mm-hmm. kind of like um, user research on your stakeholders. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That's absolutely what it is. Um, but really developing a a relationship with them so that trust can be had mm-hmm. between the two, right? If they feel like you're being too pushy, if they feel like you're trying to manipulate, if they feel like this isn't coming off authentically, like you don't really care, you know, you just want to advocate for the user, right? Um, it It might not go, you know, as far. So Mm-hmm. Them knowing that you truly have their best intention in mind is really important for them and 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 important for the team, important for the work. We're all in it together. Yeah, that's right. Yes, you do need to be able to argue for your work and speak to your design decisions and your research decisions. Um, but it's not all you. You've mm-hmm. got to find other folks who can... Um, who also see the value and um, use those people as your advocates, uh, as advocates for the user-centered work. And um, they're there, they're out there, or you wouldn't have a job. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And I, you know, always thinking, you know, assuming good intentions, everybody has good intentions, right? Mm -hmm. Even the people who push back, their they, their good intentions are just a different focus than than yeah. the UXers focus, 
But at the end of the day, we're all trying to succeed. We're all trying to push things forward. Um, and it's really about remembering, right? Again, like we're all human and, and, and we're all, we all have our important roles to play in the process. Trying to see it from your stakeholders perspective. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything pressing that we missed, you think, that you want to add? I think you, you, you started to touch upon this, Lee, the fact that, you know, it might not be easy, say, for an entry-level designer or researcher to feel like, like they have a handle, right, on like the strategy piece. Um, I think I just want to encourage, you know, people to try. I want to encourage mm -hmm. them to think about, again, what their role is, their one unique individual goal, right, or role is as part of a product team. And if that role is to constantly advocate for the customer, advocate for the user experience, or at least keep it top of mind, right, if that's our, our focus, how do we do that even by simply asking questions, right? Mm -hmm, right? At the end of the day, you might still have to do whatever it was that somebody asked you to do and like keep it to that. But nothing stops you from asking questions. Nothing stops you from understanding the business a little bit more. Um, there's always an opportunity, right? To learn one more data point, one more team piece of information that can actually help you maybe carry out the work in a slightly more strategic way. Anybody can ask questions and anybody can think bigger and maybe influencing the conversation might take a little bit of time, which is by stepping stones and people, right? Partners yeah. in the, in, in the work are really important to help get you there. Just, yeah. just the, just the closing thought. I think, um, I think we can all be inspired to do this because it's very easy to shy away from it when you feel like you know somebody isn't going to respond well at mm -hmm. the end of the day you're really just suggesting you're not forcing anybody to do that's anything. true yeah and what's the worst that can that can happen someone will say no or that's right i mean maybe they'll say no thank you <laughs> but, <laughs> maybe they'll be nice maybe they won't be nice but you have learned something in the process and keep doing it Keep doing it because, you know, just because one person says no doesn't mean you're going to continue getting a no. And it, I I understand it can feel really frustrating. I do understand mm -hmm. that, um, which is where maybe we'll have another conversation about um, practicing detaching from outcomes. <laughs> That's an important one. We get so emotional when it comes to our work, right? It's yes, a good it one does. to cover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laura. I think of this course. has been Thank a fantastic you, conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Ciao. Hey, if you enjoyed this slice of UX cake, please share this episode with a friend or a few. You can share it on social media even. It really helps us spread the word and get this free content to more people. You can follow UX Cake on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and get all the episodes and show notes at uxcake.co. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing the UX Cake.